This is where normal comes to die. Mediocrity meets its final demise, and the status quo is unabashedly dismantled. Welcome to Reinvention Radio. Now, here's your host, Steve Olsher. Alrighty, welcome to Reinvention Radio. Steve Olsher, hang out the lovely Mary Goulet. Hello, Hello. Mary Goulet. Richie Ote. What's up, Richie Rich? Hey, how's it going, Steve? All right, all right. Hey, and good to have the gang all here. And we welcome you to Reinvention Radio. So thanks so much for tuning in. Love having you guys here. Love all the support. Love all the love that we get from you as well. So keep that up. Thank you for all of the love notes, or as we call them here, the show notes. And, uh, and so thank you for all of that feedback that we get from you guys. Uh, don't forget, we do broadcast live every Thursday from 12 until 2 Pacific. And you can catch that live feed at reinventionradio.com. And uh, we try to bring you the world's best in uh, life and business and technology and you name it. I think we've had them on here. And, uh, and I'm really excited about today's show uh, because I think it, it just speaks so perfectly to the intersection of where we're at now with sort of the old and the new and everything that's going on in the, in the world of media. And, of course, we try to stay on the cutting edge of the world of new media and, uh, and our guest today uh, actually, let's uh, wait. Go ahead and bring uh, let's bring Bonnie straight up right now, Bonnie, because I don't want to butcher your, your your last name straight out of the gate. How, how do you actually pronounce your last name? <laughs> That's a, a good question, uh, Bruderer. Bruderer. Okay, okay. So Bonnie Bruderer, and uh, and so you let let's do this. I just want to I want to jump straight in here because you. I mean, look, you reinvented your life over the years, and you've had a really interesting go. Uh, in your own right in a lot of different ways. But I, I want to start first and foremost with why we brought you on here to talk about reinventing media and reinventing media distribution and so on. Uh, so give it, give us an understanding first of what it is that you're doing now with Binge. Sure. So I run a multi-channel network, which is a fancy word for a site like YouTube or Hulu or Netflix. And essentially, we work with content creators. We help them distribute their content on 50 different connected device television outlets. Gotcha. So that's a very simplified way of saying it. Gotcha. And so how? So just, just so I'm clear and just so uh, everyone listening is clear, this is, so it's a standalone network. Is that, is that correct? It is. Yeah, we created our own network. We own um, proprietary technology that takes any video and then pushes it out to 50 different television channels. Okay, so so what would be an example of one of those <laughs> one of those television channels then? What 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 are we looking at? We work with companies like Apple, like Roku, Sony, Samsung, Sharp, um, Amazon Fire, mm-hmm. anything that is a smart television or a set-top box. Gotcha. Okay, and your so your background. How did you get to this point of creating binge? I mean, this is this is a pretty big undertaking, I would think, to create your own network. So, what what led you to this point? Kind of take us a, a couple of steps back, so we can so we can come into the into the modern day. <laughs> sure. So, I spent twenty years touring with famous motivational speakers like Tony Robbins, Harvey McKay. Uh, Christopher Howard, and many others. And with that, I got to meet hundreds of thousands of really interesting people all around the world. And so one thing that I always wanted to do was start a television show. And that's really how my media company got started. We started as a talk show in New York City um, on cable on the Lifestyle Channel. And the premise was really just to interview different interesting, interesting thought leaders, speakers, authors, entrepreneurs, 
and tell their stories. And so that's how Binge was born. Um, we produced over 700 segments over the years and nine different television shows that spun off of that initial show. And one thing that always struck me is most of the guests that came on the show expressed wanting their own TV show. Mm. So I wanted to figure out a way to make that happen for people. And during this period of time with all of these um, interviews, the industry was changing tremendously. Cable was starting to die, and mm. these OTT or connected device television markets started really being popular and really being valuable. Mm -hmm. So that's what I did, and I figured out a way to launch our own network and to utilize those markets to get our viewers in front of hundreds of thousands of new viewers. Go ahead, Mary. So, hi, this is Mary. How did you monetize, or how long did it take for you to be able to monetize the, the shows? And interesting, that's a great question, because we started as a passion project. I was working as an executive coach. I actually worked on Wall Street in-house at a trading firm, and I coached all of their brokers, and I was doing the show for what I thought would be a promotion for my coaching practice. And the moment I started to do TV, I got bit by the bug, and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And so we needed a way to monetize, and what we did is we went out and got distribution from multiple TV networks, and then we started to do what's called a pay-for-play. Wait, wait, so wait. I'm, you I'm, could come I'm sorry. on our show. Let, let me just stop you there for, for two seconds here, you, you, because there's a lot of folks who want to do things. And we'll, let's, we'll, I, I have it written down here. We're going to get back to the monetization question. But, but how do you just do that? Like. Uh, you mean well, to just go out and get let, distribution let's just, let's with just, everybody? Let's just, let's just go out. We're yeah, just we're just going to, like, book no, a lunch appointment. Yeah, no big deal. Let's just get distribution on, on a – like, come on, Bob. Like, you get, there's there's more to that story. Like, you can't just gloss over that. that. I mean, that's a huge part of it. What what happened? Yeah, okay, you're right. You're right. Um, I literally did not sleep for about a two-year period. I worked seven days a week. Um, you know, so uh, we were very lucky in that our show was popular from the beginning in New York City. And so we were picked up by a network called M&N. Uh, we were on their lifestyle channel every Monday night in New York City. And then one evening, I had a dinner with a friend of mine, Jeff Hewlett, who's the CEO of C-Suite Media. Mm -hmm. And he was talking all about distribution and how he was monetizing his television show on Bloomberg and... He literally spent three hours with a napkin outlining his entire business plan. And at the end of the dinner, I said, are you going to keep that napkin? And he said I could have it. And I took it home and I analyzed what we were doing and what was so expensive for us to produce this TV show. And the answer was distribution. So I started calling around to different markets. We started with L.A. on L.A. 36 and Sacramento on Channel 29 and Chicago um, on a channel there. And once we had distribution, we could then validate charging people to come on our show. So hold on, hold so, on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So <laughs> I just have to ask this question. And then, Mary, I know you have a question as well. Do you want to go first? No, what go about ahead. me? Um, and I know, Richie, you've got a Sheesh. ton of questions. <laughs> yeah, right? Dude, we're all fighting <laughs> for the we're mic all right now. For now. So just so I'm clear, when you say distribute, I mean, we talk about these local broadcasts. Uh, obviously, we're talking about cable or something of that. Did you pay for those slots, or did they just pick up the program? I'm just curious about that. In the beginning, it was all cable access. So we went to four cable access networks. After we realized the power of distribution, we went away from cable because it wasn't really that valuable, and we started to do the other networks where we did pay for some placement. Okay, so you weren't okay. paying for that. Okay, so when ahead, you were Mary. saying those double digits like 29, et cetera, you're talking about the dot TVs, right? 
the ones like at that time we were doing cable we were actually okay. doing like channel you know how you hear like la 36 it's channel 36 old school okay so have you ever heard of family net fam net like 556 or something <sighs> and anyway so that we, one, no. We, I have a little bit of experience because we had a, I had a TV show on cable, AT&T, um, Comcast, Time Warner, all that. We were distrib- our distribution went through Biz TV and Family Net. And okay. that was all around. So we got s- screwed because the people who were getting the sponsors for the show never let us see the numbers and would just randomly cut us a check here and there. Mm. So... Taking the mm-hmm. reins yourself is super important and knowing, drilling down on the numbers. So that's where my curiosity when you say distribution, um, like Steve was asking, do you pay to get on there? And then how do you justify the numbers to your guests to charge them to come on your show? Because that's a little tabooish, but it's – I get it. Commonplace. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. So it was a lot of reinvention, and I'm, I mean, I would have used that word if, if your show was even called Reinvention Radio, mm-hmm. but what happened is I initially thought, you know, hey, I'm going to be the next Oprah, I want to get on CBS, NBC, ABC, so I would go to the foreign markets, and I would go to conference, and I would meet with all these different um, television network heads and try to sell my talk show. And nobody bought because nobody did 28-minute talk shows anymore with commercials. But I would get all of these different distribution deals from German companies and, um, you know, Fox and Media and all of these different companies that were very far advanced to the U.S. in the OTT market. And to me at the time, it didn't mean much because I was so focused on, you know, what you think as an American, like this is the eye on the prize. And so it wasn't really until, um, you know, we were doing fine as a pay-for-play network and, hey, come on our show, it's $500, and we were able to monetize that way. But it wasn't until a couple years in that we truly realized the value of those distribution networks. And so once we had done that, and some were paid that we paid for, a lot were paying us for our content, or maybe there was an ad share, you know, revenue type of contract um, but at the point when we really, really realized the value, it was from sitting, you know, in front of these television executives and listening to them talk about how the cable industry was transitioning out of the way we know it and turning into this on-demand OTT, you know, connected device market. So it, it definitely was an evolution and a learning process. And, um, you know, it, it took a lot of being able to turn very quickly on your heels from, from what you're doing to follow what the trends in the market had. Gotcha, gotcha. So, Richie, you had something? Yeah, I was wondering, early, so what were the years when you first started this again, when you first said that? So, the TV show started in 2012. Yeah, so, no, no, 2013. Was there a reason you didn't start the charge, or did you start the charge, like on a YouTube or something, where you could still have channels, and you could still roll it out a lot cheaper, potentially, and I'm not, like, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And, and, and you might have had a reason. So I'm trying to figure out, was there a reason that you didn't use other platforms, or was it that you said, because of this distribution, I want to focus on the software that even amplifies distribution, because there's going to be a ton of different channels that are coming, so let's connect all those. Is that, would, did you just see that way ahead? It's kind of a little bit of both. So I started with cable television because I was in New York City, and it's 
you know, the largest media city in the world, I really did want to try to get picked up by a bigger network. So that was sort of like the ego-driven goal of what I wanted to create. Um, as far as seeing the value in the distribution a couple, probably about five years prior to this network starting, I was a VP of business development for a, a set-top box company. So I knew the industry. I knew a little bit about it, and I had seen it grow tremendously over those five years. So if I'm honest, it was never really in the vision, but the second that I started to realize that it was a possibility, we just went for it. We threw everything all in and said we're going this type of distribution, and we're going to try to be first in and the largest in this market. And you probably mm-hmm. saw that because of your experience on so many different levels, and that's just why it clicked exactly. when it clicked. So yeah. let, let, let me ask you this. So it, it's funny because I actually had a conversation earlier today where I was too embarrassed to actually ask the question, uh, but I'm going to ask the question now because it's the second time today I've heard it, ironically <clears> enough. <throat> can, can you define OTT? Because this is the second time I've heard it actually today, and in the first conversation I was too embarrassed to ask what it actually means. Oh, wait, hold on. No, don't wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Don't, don't, hold on. Don't define it yet. Do you know what it means, Mary? No. Okay, good. <laughs> I was thinking over the something, but I don't know. Right? Do you know what it means, Rich? Like, do you do you know what OTT stands for? I'm just curious, like, because I, I no, you don't either. Okay, sweet. Good. So I'm asking the question that all of us are wondering. What what does that mean? It's so funny. It means over the top. Over the, no, I was over the silly term. Right. It, all it means is you're able to access cable without paying for a cable, or sorry, access television without paying for a cable service. So it's watching television on something like Hulu or Netflix. When you're doing that, you're using OTT. That is awesome. Okay, so let, let me ask you this, because I, I, I have to, I, I don't know, and I feel a little strange about asking this question, but you, if you've listened to the show, you know that I ask a lot of questions that are just kind of strange. Uh, so my, my question to you, though, is, does anybody actually listen and, and view these shows? I, I mean, like, unless you're Amazon with the, your actual channel, like people, like I got a like I got a buddy who says, yeah, my my television shows on uh, three million Delta airline, yeah, like on their television network, and it's like, dude, nobody, you stop telling people that three million folks are watching your show. like nobody's seeing this thing. So am I, am I missing something like, or are people actually watching? There are. So the thing about these networks is that they're, so for example, Roku is one of our distribution partners. They're now the number one video consumption site in the world. So they've surpassed Google. They're the highest, you know, rate of people watching video happen through their site. Mm-hmm. I think they have 24 million subscribers right now. And so what we're doing and what we're betting on is we're putting content in all of these places so that people are stumbling upon it, they're finding it. And it's just introducing your content to a new market, whereas, you know, places like YouTube, it's a guarantee. People are watching that, they're finding it, Facebook. But we're really tapping into these new markets where there's a lot of people that are hungry for content that aren't overexploited or that aren't, or they're underutilized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? Speaking to that point, my show on Family Net was I got emails from all over the country. Yeah, all the time yeah. viewers were watching it. Yeah, well, yeah. So we have. Go ahead. One of our distribution outlets. It might sound silly, but we're in like retail outlets, doctors, dentists, chiropractors, all across the U.S. And that is one of the top that we get fan mail from too. People will be in a deli in like Missouri. You know, and see somebody's show, and so you just never know where people are going to watch. Yeah, and um, yeah, so it's right. it's a pretty valuable market. 
So, all right. So let, let me ask you this. The, the average person, as you said, you got, you got a lot of requests. People are like, oh man, we, you know, we'd, we'd love to have our own show, right? So how much original content are you creating versus how much uh, content are other, others creating, uh, like percentage wise? And then like, if somebody wanted to create a show, do is that something you can help them do, or what would they have to spend on their own to create a show? Like, take us through a little bit of original programming versus programming that you were, uh, you know, people are bringing to you. And then, if you wanted to start your own show, like, what what are your options? Sure. So, with our original programming, we produced um, seven hundred television segments, and the majority of those were my talk show. It was called the Ask Bon Bon Show. And then we had nine different television series that we spun out of that. So we have a cooking show. We have a pet show. Uh, we have one on female finance called Feel the Deal. We have a show called Make It that follows New York models and actresses. And all of those were produced by my team, you know, in-house at, at Binge Studios. Mm-hmm. We now have about 150 content creators on our site with a channel. Uh, and all of that is their content. So we're just the distributor for that content. And at this point, um, after our, our 700 shows and a full feature film, we're no longer producing content just so we can focus 100% on distribution. Mm-hmm. So, so people can have a channel, and they can spend a lot of money if they want on producing content, or they can learn how to produce content for you know, maybe $200 using their iPhone, a Halo light, and a $20 mic on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we have both. We have people that are producing you know, Hollywood-style type of content, and then we have people that do their iPhone or they do a podcast and they syndicate it. And that's what's great about Binge. We can really syndicate any type of content. So are, are these guys vetted, or can anybody just pay a price and get on there? They are. We um, and we're getting a little more picky about having good production quality. And again, that doesn't equate to expensive. It just means we need people that are putting a little bit of effort into their content because we want to make sure it's also valuable to the viewer. Right. Um, so uh, the genres we're focused on are lifestyle, inspiration, entrepreneurship. Those are really our three core. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're, we've added in some professional services and travel and and it social media influencers. Um, but as long as somebody is, you know, committed to creating good content, then we're willing to help them get it distributed. Did you mention the cost or is it vary for, you know, how long the program that they want to put out there is, or do you have a set? It's shocking. It's so inexpensive. So, um, right now there's a, a $297 setup fee and it's just $97 a month. So, mm-hmm. We syndicate your content. We give you a show um, for, you know, literally a few dollars a day. Mm-hmm. And um, we're able to do this because I had invested, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars as I was producing my own show and distributing my own show and figuring all of this out. So mm-hmm. I want to make it very reasonable for any content creator so they don't have to go through that. Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you this. And so funding, self-funded, did you go out and did you raise capital? What, what's been the model around that? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, I've been, I call it high heel strap. I self-funded. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, I would never do it that way again, because mm-hmm. especially living in New York City, it was a great city to start a media company and a very expensive city to start a media company. Right. So Iowa? there were times when I... Iowa when would I have been a better chance. Day, <laughs> I, um, yeah. Iowa, venture capital, like mm-hmm. there's a lot of 
smarter ways to do it, but mm-hmm. um, I did it the way I knew how to do it at the time and with the resources I had. And, you know, we have crazy stories that could go on for multiple shows, but there were definitely times, you know, during the early days where I would be on a run and just doubled over in tears because I needed to come up with, you know, 20 grand by 5 p.m. And yeah. somehow I made it work uh, with a lot of hard work and tenacity and robbing Peter to pay Paul. Um, but yeah, it's self-funded. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So let, let me ask you this. So then some of the most popular shows, I mean, obviously you're privy to, and this is one of the reasons why I think it puts you kind of in the, in the catbird seat there is because you're going to be privy to all this data. You're going to be able to see what's working, what's not working. I would think if you ever got back into original programming, uh, you'd have a pretty good sense of what would work just based on all the data that you're seeing in terms of who's watching what and, and how much of that they're watching. So uh, give us a sense, like um, a, a more popular show. Uh, what sort of numbers are we looking at? I mean, like the like, let's just use the most popular show. What what sort of numbers are, are we looking at in terms of downloads What or, or views, I guess, in this case? Sure. So with us, we our views are cumulative. So we can tell you what's going on on Binge Network TV, and we have accurate data for that. And then some of our 50 networks report back data, and some don't. So mm-hmm. as far as the more popular shows, they're definitely shows with a cult following. For example, we have a show called uh, Justice Woman, which is a little bit like a, I don't know, it's almost a superhero type of reality type show and Mm -hmm. that one's very popular because Mm -hmm. it has a very specific viewing audience um we have another one called curvy girl which is about larger ladies in lingerie and Mm. that is very appealing to a very large and wide audience we also have uh, like cooking shows um how to diy shows are very popular those are definitely some of the most watched and we're actually, we just formed a partnership with NeoReach, um, a big marketing agency for influencers, and we're focused heavily on that market because, mm-hmm. you know, some of these social media influencers already have sometimes up to 10 million viewers that are watching them. So we're transitioning some of those viewers onto Bench, and well, those shows are very popular. Yeah, and I would think, go ahead, Rich. I was just going to ask, is there a, a benefit for them to be consumed on Bench as opposed to YouTube or where they might already have an audience since you say you, you know that data, but some of the other data doesn't come back. I, I'm assuming you're using it like API for that data for others, social networks. Yeah. So for us, I mean, the value to any content creator, but specifically an influencer that's already built an audience or has a you know podcast following is, is diversified and increased distribution. So we're putting you into new markets, new audiences that you're not already reaching. And for an influencer that makes the majority of their money doing brand promos or shout outs, um, they can then upcharge for this additional distribution. Mm-hmm. That's so, one key reason why people would go with us. But we're also very inclusive versus exclusive. So we really recommend keep doing everything that you're doing and just use us as a plus to help increase you know, whatever your particular goals are. Mm-hmm. So you help get them the metrics when they are trying to get more for, saying doing that shout out or doing some sort of sponsored post of some kind. You re- you're gathering those metrics from all the distribution and reporting it back to them. Is that part of the ninety seven? From the ones we have, yeah, we don't get from all fifty. What what's valuable to these brands is that the OTT or connected device and. I'll define that one, too. Connected device market is really something like your cell phone, your smart television, um, a game console, like a 
called? PlayStation <laughs> games, or Xbox you know, or something like that. PlayStation, yeah. exactly, yeah. or Xbox. And those um, are some of the highest advertising opportunities right now. So it has the highest CPM for advertising. So that's why Binge is appealing to brands because we have created an infrastructure that gets you populated into those markets without having to pay for that uh, very expensive advertising. Mm-hmm. So let me let me ask you this, and uh, we're, we're talking to Bonnie Broderer here of Binge Networks, and it's bingenetworks.tv, so make sure you do the .tv on that. It is, so uh, a couple questions. Uh, first and foremost, in your revenue model, is part of your revenue model, is it arbitrage? Is, is that is Does that play a part, or are you just simply charging for the, the time on the network? Because I would think that arbitrage could be a pretty good play for you, especially as you start accumulating bigger and bigger i mean those numbers have got to be across the network you know pretty pretty meaningful so is arbitrage a part of this process or is the revenue model just strictly you know pay for play right now it right now our two key revenue models are the syndication service which is a monthly subscription service and advertising revenue mm-hmm. so we have a couple of different advertising deals um the main one was She Knows Media, which is a large media company that serves the in-video ads and display ads throughout our site. So those are really our key uh, components right now. But as we're growing and evolving, we're always looking at different ways to monetize. Mm-hmm. Um, those are just really what we're focused on going into the next few quarters to make sure we get our subscribers up. And then, you know, from there, we'll reevaluate and see where else we can create yeah. revenue streams. So I, I just have to ask a question real quick here just to make sure that I'm clear on this. When you're talking about a monthly subscription fee, are you talking about for the viewer? Because is or are you talking about? I just want to make sure I'm clear on that because I, I think that that model is well. If it's not DOA at this moment, it's certainly I mean headed in that direction. No, well, we don't charge. No, we charge the content creator. We're not the content creator. The, the viewer. To yeah. Watch. Okay. Yeah, it's free to watch on all fifty networks. And for content creator, that ninety-seven dollars. For someone that's not on the website or something right now, what what do they actually get? Is that distribution? Is that a SaaS model setup? Or is there something else that – is there like f- something free to get started and then they go to that or straight into the there – There's a couple options. They can do the setup fee and get the $97 a month. They can also try it out for two weeks and then it's 147 a month. Um, and that gets them their channel branded, just like a YouTube channel or any other, you know, your Facebook page. You have a banner and a thumbnail. And then the ability to upload all the video content you want for syndication. So every time a video is uploaded to our site, they can then find it within 24 hours on Apple, Roku, Amazon, Sony, et cetera, all nice. 50 sites. So uh, quick question here. And, and by the way, it's, it's okay if I call you Bon Bon, right? Are, are we good like that? Of course. All right, sweet. <laughs> so uh, Bon Bon. Uh, I just always want to be able to call somebody Bon Bon. Uh, so let, let's jump into if, and again, you are privy to the data, which puts you in a, in a very yeah. unique position. So you can see what people are are actually consuming, and that is, I mean, that's that's a pretty powerful spot to be in. So with that understanding, if someone is looking to start a show now. What advice would you give them in terms of content, in terms of positioning? What what advice do you give to someone who doesn't have a show and they're looking to start? Find your audience first. Figure out what niches are not already being tapped into and create content for that. 
I think that it's human nature for us to create shows about what we like or what we think people would also find value in. For me, it's personal development. I, you know, I come from that world. I started a show on that, but it wasn't that well received because people, you know, there's a huge market for that, but there's huger markets for many other things. So, mm-hmm. again, the shows that people are loving are, um, you know, foodie type shows, DIY, like how to make mm-hmm. cupcakes for your daughter for her birthday. Things like that are super popular, and for me, that that wasn't logical. I thought let's yeah. give people value to make their lives better, and that's. That's just not you know, the highest consumed content these days. Yeah, and, and for full disclosure, uh, reinvention radio, uh, and <laughs> I mean, we are actually partners with you guys at, at Binge. So, uh, yes. yeah. So, talk a little bit about the the partnership that that we formed, and and what's got you most excited about working together with us. And then uh, you're also going to be a part of the the new media summit. Uh, as well. So just just talk about uh, our partnership and and why you are excited about that. Well, you know, it's all about reinventing. And I went just a couple of months ago and heard you speak. I was also a speaker there. And I know it's tremendous. I know it's huge. But when we built Binge, it wasn't top of mind. And Mm -hmm. so I heard you talking and about what you've created. And I just thought, oh, my God, there's a tremendous opportunity here. And um, so our partnership basically involves being able to offer top podcasters their own channel on Binge. And we also have access through you guys to a technology that will convert your podcast into a video file Mm -hmm. and place it on your channel. And so we're really excited for both that partnership um, long going and then also to be part of the new media summit where Binge Networks will be there as an icon. And then we will also have a team there representing uh, the network and being able to offer this opportunity to any type of podcaster or video creator or somebody that wants to start their own show. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it's multifaceted, but it just seems like the perfect marriage because you really you know, cornered the market on, on podcasting and we have on video and it's just, I just feel like it's perfect timing and a, and a perfect synergy. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. And, uh, and we're very excited to have you join us at the new media summit. I mean, uh, not only of course, as uh, as an icon uh, where you're going to be looking for, for guests and, uh, and so on, but are, are you also going to be placing people or potentially recommending people for shows on your network? Is that uh, is that part of the game plan as well? We definitely can, yeah. I mean, we have literally thousands of videos on our network, and I'm very familiar with all 150 shows. So if there are people there that are a great fit, um, our content creators are always looking for new guests. So we absolutely can do that. Mm-hmm. And, and so let me let me just ask you this, because we we tried video, uh, and we may actually go back to video at some point, but when we have somebody on the phone... Yeah, like yourself. I mean, you're in New York, we're in San Diego, and you know, it doesn't uh, for video it doesn't always work cuz we do it as a live show, right? So yeah. when when um Blab, god, I almost forgot the name yeah. of that, right? So it's been that long. So when Blab was alive and well, we tried doing it that way where we would broadcast live and then they would be on and and so on. Um and it didn't always work well. So I, my my question is we don't actually do video per se at this point, though, as you said, there is technology in place that converts the audio file into a video file. Do you think that podcasts are a good fit for video and vice versa? Or do you think that's trying to 
potentially be more than what you were created to be, if you know what I'm saying. I do. And I'll give my personal opinion. You know, we see all the podcasts where people are just filming them, maybe in a studio. And for me, I find that when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm so much more hyper-focused. Whereas for some reason, if I have a video, I'll go throw in a load of laundry or start playing with the dog. But when I'm listening to podcasts, I'm 100% focused on that. So I definitely think there's a place for both. I think that if, you know, you're doing something and you're doing a great job at it, keep doing it. Don't worry about doing video just for the sake of that. If you have video also, then, you know, definitely do that because it does help, um, you know, marketing, SEO, all of those types of things. But um, I definitely think that there's a time and a place for both. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what what has you most excited then about the future, and what what is your what? So let me put it to you this way: what what is your vision? Are you are we looking at a at a Bonnie exit here in uh, in a couple of years? <laughs> I mean, are you looking to to build this thing up and exit? Like what what's the what's the Bonnie vision here? What's the Bon Bon vision? Bon Bon bye bye. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is <laughs> Bon Bon bye bye. <laughs> yes. Bye bye. Yeah. No, that is definitely the vision, and it, it was ever since we started the multi-channel network. So, I uh, prior to personal development, I worked for a lot of top internet companies. I worked for City Search. I worked for NBC Internet, Active Network. Very early on, um, all became wildly successful. All not while I was there or had stock options. So mm-hmm. I always have that bug like in me, like oh, I gotta make something. Um, And so the vision with Binge is to build it up uh, 500 channels by the end of this year, 5,000 by the end of next, and to sell it to a larger media company. Um, You know, we have our wish list of who that would be. But, yeah, that's definitely the plan. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, let's talk about discovery for a minute because I know that discovery is always top of mind for content creators. Uh, how easy is it to be found on Binge? And then what, what do you recommend that people do in terms of discovery uh, in general? Because obviously you've got deep expertise in the in, uh, online space and audio and, and video and so on. What, what, what's your take on discovery at the moment in, uh, in 2018 as we sit here right, uh, right now? How, how, how do people get found? What, what do they need to do? So utilize all of the tools that are built in, whether you're using Binge um, or you're using Facebook or you're using YouTube. When they ask you for things like keywords and descriptions, they're doing it for a reason. And so many people gloss over this and don't take advantage of the viral capabilities. Um, With Binge, when you have a channel, you have the ability to upload keywords, descriptions, tags for your videos. We also have all of the top shareability um, techniques built in so you can one click on and share onto Facebook, onto Twitter, onto Google Plus. With our app, we even have the ability to share like a five second clip. So if I'm listening to something or watching something, you know, on on your channel and I hear something relevant to a friend, I can send that little five second clip to them and then they can then forward on to other people. So just anyone with any type of content, take advantage of that. You want to repurpose every single thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, don't just do one video or one podcast and then put it somewhere. Make sure that that is going to every single social media that you have, that you're keyword tagging it, um, that you are, you know, placing it on search engines so that you can take advantage of that and grow your business or whatever your particular marketing goals are. So to your point of keyword tagging, when you're talking about the API that goes out and you, when you make this 
push this video out to other networks. Do you have it mapped out to where it's putting it's placing that in the correct fields on in all those other platforms, or do I have to go back? And we do check it oh, over. Go ahead. Oh. Uh, we do on most of them. Um, with fifty, you know, in different countries and working all over the world, there of course are different um, specifications for some of our networks. Do you have it? For the, the majority big of them four? are are. What's that? Do you have it for the big four? We have it for the, yes, we have it for the big four. And then we have, I'd say, six top media companies that filter into the 50. And so one of my primary roles is constantly working with them and finding ways that we can be more visible within their app. So that's something that we're definitely focused on, um, you know, and, and as these markets grow, that becomes more and more important. And as part of that setup fee, set up all the profiles and all those other networks? The content is pushed directly from the one channel. So basically the setup fee goes to creating the channel within Binge, um, to customizing it and to enabling the syndication. And then from there, once a video is uploaded and placed onto your channel, that's when the syndication hits. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Awesome. All right, so let, let me ask you this because we're, uh, we're kind of, well, unfortunately we're running out of time here and we just got a few minutes left, but... Let me ask you this. So as you as you look at uh, sort of this this whole new media landscape and you look at how far you've come and obviously you've been online for a long time. So you've really seen things evolve. Uh, what what does have you most excited at this juncture? Honestly, when I go on to binge and I see channels like dozens of them that I have never seen before because we have a full team now that manages the channels. It does the customer service. It kind of freaks me out in a way, but it, it is also really exciting. And then just the way the industry is moving right now, it's really, it's really rewarding when you've, you know, gone all in and bet everything and -hmm. the farm on a particular industry and it continues to have success. So you each day we're bringing on new channels. We're forging new partnerships with these larger media companies. Um, We're working on one with Aura, which has Larry King's content. We have the big one with She Knows Media that just closed this last week. And that's what drives me. It's so exciting to see these things happening. And it's a little surreal sometimes, but um, it, and there's just so much more potential out there. So that that excites me, drives me, gets me out of bed every day. Yeah, no, that's awesome. And then just one final note here, as far as the the content creators are concerned, one of the one of the things that we struggle with as content creators is actually being able to connect in a meaningful way with our community, people who are actually watching the shows and so on. And I feel like one of the the missing pieces here and. In podcasting, uh, we're actually going to have somebody at the New Media Summit who has a new company called Soundwave that I have to actually dig into a little bit. But basically, uh, I believe her technology allows you to, well, create relationships with the people who are listening by having their name, their email, and so on and so forth. Obviously, people have to register for your site. Is that part of what your model is as well as for a content creator? Do you actually provide that demographic info so people can actually begin developing relationships with the people who are watching? Because I really do feel like that's the missing piece. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That's definitely absolutely important. We don't. You know, we, we have the ability for people to comment just like a blog, and they can connect that way. And some channels have good engagement. Um, for us, we always say use Binge as the marketing vehicle for what you want to accomplish. Mm-hmm. So if you're putting content on Binge, say a podcast or a video show, 
tell the viewer what you want them to do. If Facebook is your primary means of connecting with people, tell them to go there so you can connect. Um, if it's Twitter, if it's Instagram. But, you know, we're really focused on distribution versus, like, the social aspect of it, whether that's right or wrong. That's just kind of our, our specialty and, and what we develop Binge for. Gotcha. All right, so again, it's Bonnie Broderer from Binge Networks, and you can get more information at bingenetworks.tv. So again, that is bingenetworks.tv. Really interesting stuff, yeah, it's you know. Cool. I mean, it's uh, it is. And Richie, I know you're knee deep in all this fun stuff, man. What what what's your take on uh, on a network uh, like this? I, mean, I think I think it's super interesting. What's what's your general take on it? In the end, it comes back to kind of your question: how people connect and the usable metrics. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. uh, that you can do to get out, and I mean, you can just go out and throw a bunch of flyers, and yeah. people can get attention, but. It, it's interesting. I'd love to hear more. I love the idea. I can't wait to talk to her more at the conference. Right. Yeah, me yeah. too. So. Yeah, so definitely, you know, uh, unfortunately, if you don't have your ticket for April's New Media Summit, uh, well, uh, you're out of luck on that. But definitely check out newmediasummit.net, uh, and you can join us for the next one. I know we're going to be doing one in the fall, uh, and then potentially we'll be doing three in uh, 2019 as well. So we We'd love to have you at one of those events, newmediasummit.net, for more information there. And so for Bonnie of BingeNetworks.tv and Mary Goulet and Richie Ote, um, Steve Olsher, and we will talk to you guys next time here on Reinvention Radio. Take care, everybody. You just got dismantled. Thanks for listening to Reinvention Radio. For more information about the show and your host, Steve Olsher, visit ReinventionRadio.com. You were born to do one amazing thing, but most people spend a lifetime trying to identify what it is. If you're in a job you don't like or are unemployed, if you're in a state of transition or just can't shake that nagging feeling that you were meant and made to do something extraordinary, then the Reinvention Workshop is exactly what you need. Led by award-winning self-help author Steve Olsher, the Reinvention Workshop will forever change your life. The Reinvention Workshop takes you step-by-step through Steve's proven formula that has helped so many people get on the right path and clear about what they were born to do. Take the first step to realizing the life you deserve and desire by visiting thereinventionworkshop.com today. No more delays. No more denial. Reconnect with your true self. Learn to live with purpose and conviction and become who you were born to be. The world is waiting for you. What are you waiting for? Log on to thereinventionworkshop.com today. That's thereinventionworkshop.com. Thank you.